This week's episode of The Amazing Nerd Show is sponsored by Smile Brilliant. So Christian, my wife has done it again, and it's got to be another fantastic anniversary gift this year. Oh, what'd she get you this time? So at night, I'm constantly grinding my teeth. So she got me a Smile Brilliant custom-fitted night guard. Come to find out, when it comes to teeth grinding, I'm not alone. In fact, there's roughly 40 million other Americans who grind their teeth as well. Whether it's from stress, anxiety, or an abnormal bite, chronic teeth grinding will lead to things like worn enamel, tooth decay, sleeplessness, and expensive dental procedures. Exactly, Damon. And the number one teeth grinding prevention recommended by dentists is a custom-fitted night guard. However, it's costly, with the average dentist charging $200 to $300 per guard. And you can grind through several per year. But that's where Smile Brilliant's Lab Direct process comes in. You can get the same custom-fitted night guards for as little as $45 per guard. My wife also got me the Smile Brilliant custom-fitted teeth whitening trays and their Kari Pro electric toothbrush. And Christian, they work wonders. Well, our listeners should head over to SmileBrilliant.com and use our promo code NERD at checkout for 30% off. Once again, that's SmileBrilliant.com. Dot com and use our code NERD at checkout. That's right, nerds. Don't be an idiot. Smile brilliant. Nerds, it's time to suit up and nerd up. Launching badass rockabilly track. Now tracking an unidentified flying object. Time to save the world with some wrestling, video games, movies, horror, and more. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, this week we've got a review for Quiet Place 2, and we're also talking the latest episode of The Bad Batch. That's not all. We're giving you double the fun with Double or Nothing from AEW this last weekend. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week, we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions. First up this week, Sony states there are plans to connect the MCU Spider-Man to the Sony Spider-Man spin-offs. So as we know, Tom Holland's Spider-Man has yet to make an appearance or been announced to make an appearance in any of Sony's Spider-Man spin-off films. Well, that seems to be changing sooner than later, as Sony Pictures president Sanford Panich uh, has stated that there is an actual plan for Spidey to eventually show up in films developed outside of the MCU. He recently stated to Variety, there's actually a plan. I think now it's getting a little more clear for people where we're headed, and I think when No Way Home comes out, even more will be revealed. Panich touted his excellent relationship with Marvel Studios head Kevin Foggy. He even went to length to admit that there's a lot of opportunities for both sides to interact. He went on to state, there's an incredible sandbox there for us to play with. We want those MCU movies to be absolutely huge because that's great for us and our Marvel characters. And I think that's the same thing on the other side but we have a great relationship. There's a lot of opportunities I think that are going to happen. Now, if you listened to last week's episode, you know there were tons of rumors flying around that in No Way Home, we're gonna see Sony's idea of the Sinister Six, kind of this multiverse-like version of the group. Uh, When asked about that, Panich concluded it would be cool, wouldn't it? 
So uh, it's a pretty interesting answer. <laughs> it definitely feels like where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, we were hoping to get a trailer this week, but that hasn't happened so far. But it definitely feels like one's right around the corner. And I guess we'll see if there's any truth to this insane freaking rumor. I'm just happy that there's actually, you know, somewhat of a plan for all of this in the end. You know, I've been saying it since the beginning, I'm like, why don't they just work more together and then everyone makes money and everyone's happy. I mean, I, if they're concerned about making money, this is the smartest thing. They just play off of each other and make it work for the best of everyone. I mean, at the end of the day, MCU doesn't need Sony to sur survive, but Sony could really use, the, you know, the MCU characters to like grow their side stuff and make it way bigger. I just wish that, um, you know, maybe MCU could get a little bit more involved with projects like Venom and stuff like yeah. that so we can you know, <laughs> hopefully get a better characterization. Yes, I agree. I agree. Or a proper origin story for Venom. Yes. So one that actually involves Peter Parker. Uh, but uh, no, I agree. But I mean, it definitely works both ways because it would definitely hurt uh, the MCU if Sony decided to take its ball, a.k.a. Spider-Man, and go home. You know? So I mean, you remember the panic. When, uh, like, negotiations kind of broke between the two and it sounded like, you know, Tom Holland would no longer be able to, like, you know, play in the MCU sandbox, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, no, it, it's a good thing that they're working together and everyone seems to be happy. Uh, hopefully that continues because I definitely feel like it means, you know, better films from both studios. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, and you would think, you know, both studios would want more money because, you know, better Absolutely. films means more money, right? <laughs> Up next, looks like the MCU has made changes to Captain America 4 due to fan reactions to Sharon Carter. So according to that hashtag show, Carter was originally intended to be the film's primary antagonist, but due to the negative response that her new role as the power broker has received, the MCU has opted to reduce her role and introduce a new supervillain instead. Reportedly, Emily Van Camp will return as Agent Carter, but it is unknown what her new role will be. Details concerning Captain America 4 are scarce right now. It was announced shortly after the conclusion of the Falcon and Winter Soldier that series creator Malcolm Spellman is attached to pen the script. With all that being said, there was a rumor floating around earlier this week that uh, Red Skull's daughter Sin could be a villain in the upcoming film. That's actually a character I was originally speculating would be part of the Disney Plus series. Her and Crossbones were two of my favorite villains in uh, Brubaker's legendary run, but I would love to see a version of Sin on the big screen. Uh, she's just as vicious as her father, if not more so. So, uh, hopefully this is a real thing. Hey, yeah, I mean, as long as they don't pull something like where, like, the Dark Knight returns with Talia al Ghul, and it's, it's kind of that type of story, I'm perfectly fine with it. You know, it's no weird love triangle between uh, <laughs> our hero and a, and a villain. I was like, where are uh, you going with that? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know why. That's just like when I thought of like um, the MCU introducing Sin, that was the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, yeah. Remember how they treated Talia al Ghul in Dark Knight? Yeah. Returns? Yeah. No, you're right. That'd be a little creepy. But I mean, uh -huh. Sin's not that type of character. So I no. can't imagine them going that route. She's not very stealth. So, um, yeah, no, she, she definitely makes a scene and she'll let mm. her presence be known. So she's a complete fucking psychopath which is what I love about the character. So, um, you know, her and Crossbones in uh, Brewbreaker's like series was very much like Sid and Nancy. So um, I don't think we'll necessarily see Crossbones. I believe he blew up right in Civil War, mm. right? <laughs> Although he's teased, right? The actress teased before that he's still alive. 
So we did well, think he was dead, right? At one point. And, and then what, he, the director of um, Spider-Man just said, hey, no one dies in the MCU. Right, so. that is true. <laughs> that is true. So, but yeah, no. So, I mean, maybe he'll make a return. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely on board for that. It does make me a little hesitant that, you know, the MCU is changing course due to, like, fan reactions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I have flashbacks to what happened with, you know, the last, like, Star Wars trilogy where there was mm-hmm. no clear vision and then the last film just felt like complete mm-hmm. fan service and just, I don't know, man. Like, they didn't know whether they were coming or going on that film. So, um, you know, it just felt like they were trying to please everyone not to go down this rabbit yes. hole. But <laughs> I hope we're not getting into that kind of scenario here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel like there was some potential there. Like... I- a little bit of potential there for her to be a good villain in the next film if possible um but I, i'm just afraid that with fan reactions you know comes you know different changes in other films that i wouldn't want to see like we don't know what we want we, we have no idea just have a good plan yeah you guys are the ones with the talents where <laughs> exactly <laughs> you're making the movies not us don't let us tell you what to do <laughs> I mean, you've been doing this for over a decade now, so we should just trust you at this point. But no, mm-hmm. I mean, my only issue with the whole Sharon Carter storyline was the reveal just kind of felt flat. Like, it was too predictable. You could kind of see where it was coming, but I don't think it was meant to be a huge reveal. Anyway, like, I felt like you were supposed to kind of see the breadcrumbs. Um, so I, I, w- I was interested to see where they were going to take it. Um, but honestly i'm fine either way as long as it doesn't cause them to like completely like you know lose track of the original story because i did enjoy the series as a whole you know and i think i said at the end of um the series with our reviews um i'm perfectly fine with you know sam getting you know a brand new villain to go up against Mm -hmm. um in his own film i just it seemed like I, I I just hope that they don't go too far away from Sharon's story that was there, because I, I am curious to see how far she's going in that evil direction at this point, especially if they were planning on making her the main bad of Cap 4. You yeah, know? exactly. Because I was actually surprised by that also. The rumor's true and she was supposed to be the main villain. You know, I don't know. I, I, I was kind of assuming that that would play out more in like another Disney Plus series like Secret Invasion or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of see the breadcrumbs or even I think uh, was Armor Wars that's coming oh, yeah. out. Because mm-hmm. at the end, she talks about now having like, you know, weapons and government secrets at her disposal. So I just I don't know. And th- once again, that's just pure speculation. So I was kind of surprised even by the report that she was supposed to be the main villain of Captain America 4. Because it just doesn't feel like like big enough, you know. So, Uh, but I mean, we'll see. We'll see. This could be all bullshit. hmm. What what the fuck do we know? (laughs) (laughs) These are all just rumors for us to speculate on. Exactly. Well, in more Marvel news, we have start dates for two new MCU series. According to a new report from Murphy's Multiverse, Marvel's Echo and Ironheart solo series are currently on track to begin production in early 2022. The report claims that Echoes is currently poised for a January 2022 start, while Ironheart is set to start April of the same year. Well, up next, we got some casting news for John Wick 4. According to a report from Deadline, legendary actor and global superstar Donnie Yen is joining the upcoming cast of John Wick 4. He'll star alongside, of course, Keanu Reeves, playing an old friend of John Wick's. The two share a long history and many similar enemies. Sounds like an awesome team up. 
Yen played Chirrut Emway in Rogue One, who's definitely one of my favorite Star Wars characters they've introduced over the past couple of years. So I'm definitely on board for this. I mean, I know they call them friends in the article, but they definitely got to fight at least once, right? Oh, absolutely. You got to have Donnie Yen versus John Wick. It's all about the double cross, man, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> I was actually almost like, oh, I kind of want him to be the villain because <laughs> I just imagine all the fights they could possibly have throughout the film. But you know, who knows? We'll see when it comes he out. He might end up being the villain. I mean, honestly, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I thought, too. So in more casting news, the upcoming Toxic Avenger reboot casts its main villain. Yes, the Illuminati is reporting Elijah Wood will join Peter Dinklage in Legendary's Toxic Avenger reboot as the main antagonist. So this write up goes on to say he'll be playing the evil head of a shady company Garb Axe. He has no regard for the well-being of anyone but himself and embarks on a murderous spree to become as powerful as Toxie. His ego is bolstered by his standing amongst the town's officials, but in reality he lives in fear of the underworld gang he's indebted to. Woods is a great actor. I just recently watched him in the remake of Maniac, uh, which is a fantastic film. If you haven't seen, definitely check that out. Uh, we do know that Troma's Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz are on board as producers. Um, the more I hear about this, the more excited I get for it. So I'm starting to really look forward to it. Hi everyone, I'm Nick Palatichuk. I'm an independent film director and screenwriter. I'm also an independent comic book artist and creator. I want to let you know about my podcast, The St. Paul Filmcast. It's a weekly podcast where I interview other independent filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon Radio, as well as our distributor, Podbean. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So... If you're interested in how independent films get made or the process of filmmaking. Also, if you're interested in other artists' process and works as well, tune into my show, The St. Paul Filmcast, where it's not over till the guests say it's over. Well, Christian, we were both supposed to see a movie this week, but unfortunately for me, shit happens. <laughs> Life happens. Make excuses. But you, my friend, actually <laughs> did see the film. That's right. I saw A Quiet Place Part 2. Warning spoiler alert. Spoilers for A Quiet Place Part 2 ahead. You have been warned. And now, our feature presentation. I don't know why you came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. Most people had finally given up hope. Following the events at home, the Abbott family now faced the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sandpath. This film is directed by John Krasinski and written by John Krasinski, Scott Beck, and Brian Woods, and it's starring Emily Blunt. 
Similar to Damon's review of the first film, I'm not going to spoil things too much for you guys, plus Damon still needs to see the movie so I won't ruin it for him either. But again, A Quiet Place delivers an experience best suited for the big screen. I may have potentially kind of robbed myself of that experience the first time around since I watched it at home, um, you know, a couple months after its release. But seeing the sequel in theaters made me praise John Krasinski's ability to create intense tension by limiting what viewers hear and see. And that's really what makes this franchise stand out, because I feel like in other hands, they might have done, you know, either too much or too little to really get the effect across. It's always just the right amount of limiting or dulling the senses to make your heart drop in each tension-filled hell scene that we get. But okay, so in this film, um, it touches a little bit more on the origins of the creatures invading our planet, but not so much to overly explain them. And we also see that they put a lot more budget into these monsters, especially since a lot of them are seen in daylight. You know, whereas in the first film, they tried to use a little bit more tricks to hide its CGI, this time around the monsters are fully in focus and in your face. And while the production value is there, uh, the design itself is still all not all that menacing for me. Um, the real horror, I think, at the end of the day, is seeing this family torn apart by the loss these creatures can create, as you can easily invest in the story of these characters trying to survive in this world. I mean, you can go back and listen to earlier episodes where I feel like I was stating my disappointment that they weren't going to be following another family in this universe. And even with the start of this film, I was still not all that into the younger cast. But Krasinski and company did a fantastic job of giving both kids a journey that led to a great payoff. I definitely became extremely invested in both of them by the end of the film. Emily Blunt did another great job as a parent just trying to keep it all together while being grief stricken by the losses she's dealt with. Um, we're also introduced to a new character played by Cillian Murphy who also genuinely killed it in this performance. The only real gripe I had with his storyline in general was just this kind of lack of build towards a moment he has with some villagers especially after you know him explaining to people you know there's just no one good out there left. But with this becoming an ever-expanding franchise, maybe his claims will become more, you know, of a story point um, going in the future in the next sequel or so. And also maybe there'll be more of an explanation to what these monsters are here for or why they're here in general. But I don't know. I'm just a lore junkie sometimes. All right, Christian, what grade do you give A Quiet Place Part 2? Well, with all that said, Damon, I'm going to give A Quiet Place Part 2 a B plus. I think Krasinski and company really kind of just wrenched up the tension that we got from the first film like twofold. And plus, we got a great story with awesome performances across the board. I am definitely invested in the next film. Well, all right, Damon, it's now time to talk some Bad Batch. That's right. We're talking Episode 5, Rampage. Warning, spoiler alert. Spoilers for Star Wars The Bad Batch ahead. You have been warned. So much for being smart. <sighs> this is not a standard military operation. And seeing as how we have never been tasked with rescuing a child from slave traders before, there is no data I can compare it to. We need to signal Omega before the scouts find her. Except our comms are over there with our weapons. We won't need a comm to signal her. So after this episode, I was like, this is pretty fucked up. Like, are they trying to get us to, like, retroactively care about the Rancor at Jabba's Palace by showing it as a baby, knowing that Luke, like, ends up killing the fucking thing? Uh-huh. I thought the exact same thing. But my daughter did, like, <laughs> point out they kind of did the same thing with, like, Darth Vader. So and she's, oh. not, I mean, she's not wrong, right? <laughs> 
Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird, like, I don't know, reverse cycle of life thing that they got going over there. But uh, apparently Moochie or Moochie, what the hell is its name? Moochie? Yeah, Moochie's right. Was it the same Rancor that, like, was at Jabba's Palace that we saw Return of the Jedi? Which feels weird because the episode, like, totally leads us to believe that it is, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, but whatever. It heavily implied um for me this episode is more set up uh you know we get to meet a former jedi informant named sid uh when hunter and the crew are looking for information on the bounty hunter who's chasing omega uh she seems like a character who we might not be able to trust especially since she has no qualms about like working for jabba um although Mm -hmm. she definitely doesn't like the empire since you know she says that they're costing her money um, since they killed all the Jedi, um, which is also pretty dark. <laughs> um, I'm sure the fact that they're like establishing this relationship, though, means that Sid is going to be like doing business with them in the new mm-hmm. in the near future. She does end up giving them information after they complete the mission, um, information we already knew about Fennec. And it does mean that they're in serious trouble if she's coming for you. The fact that like, you know. Fennec already has this reputation at such an early stage of her career is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, Wrecker's head is still hurting, which makes me think that's going to lead to them like figuring out how to deprogram the chip. Because I'm guessing it's the chip malfunctioning um, at this point. So I'm guessing that they're going to end up having to like, you know, find Rex um, who knows how to deprogram. And they just found that information out like just a couple episodes ago. I mean, everyone's clamoring for him to make an appearance. This feels like the perfect setup for that. Um, it only makes sense for him to show up at this point. But otherwise, there's a lot of like cutesy stuff with the baby Rancor that just didn't yeah. do much for me. But I don't know. That's fine. It's just not my thing, I guess. Again, we have Omega saving pretty much everyone. Yes. Uh, you know, helping out. Uh, she has comms now. That's, yes. That's new. Yes. But there really wasn't that much that happens. <laughs> so you think she's going to get her own armor? Oh, you think like we're getting one armor piece like per episode? And I don't think it's like a out? fucking video game, Christian. But <laughs> <laughs> I do think eventually like, you know, her being completely accepted into the group is going to uh, be like, you know, us seeing her armored up. OK, that's fine with me. One thing that that still bothers me is is that Hunter is supposed to be inconspicuous no matter where he goes. And it's like. You know, they always you know use him as like the front go guy, but his half of his face is painted. Like if anyone's going to be noticed, it's him. Yeah, he's got a skull tattoo. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> I, I've just been wanting to bring that up for weeks. And I keep forgetting about it. Yes. Like each episode, he they put him in some stealth situation where he's just supposed to blend in, but he has half a fucking tattooed face. I don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. Whatever. <laughs> I guess it, I guess it's space. You know, everyone. You know, it's got a different look to him. So who he's knows? got that Darby Allen thing going on, man. Yeah, he's got he's got that going on. Bro. Good for it. <laughs> uh, he's like a ninja. Bad. He's using his sure. like I don't know whatever Christian. Sure. <laughs> hey, did you notice that clone over there with half his face tattooed? Well, like- he doesn't really <laughs> look like the other clones, though. I guess he, so. he still kind of looks like them. <laughs> Give me a break! Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as you were saying, Rex makes sense to you know make an appearance. Like that, like that has to be how they figure it out, right? No, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. And then that will probably lead to them trying to get Crosshair and, you know, deprogram him at that point. So, uh, which I have a feeling is going to go badly, but, you know, we'll see. But I don't know. For me, this was probably my least favorite episode, honestly. Um, 
just the whole cutesy baby rancor thing. I don't know. I feel like it was took up a lot of time last week. I, I liked last week because we got to like you know see Finnick in action, so I was cool with that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not much happens. This episode probably did a better job of actually like setting things up a little mm-hmm. more with Sid because it feels like they're definitely going to be working for her in the near future. Like I said, but I don't know. I just so much time with you know the baby rancor and everything, and <laughs> not much of a payoff, honestly, because uh-huh. I don't see where that's going. You know, so, um, but they introduced him now, and now he's going to show up at the finale and help save them in some scenario. So you think it's going to be like the Mandalorian kind of like uh-huh. formula? I don't think so. I hope not, Christian. <laughs> we did see Omega get a new crossbow, and I'm I think that's one of the Night Sisters' weapons. Oh, okay. So do you think that'll lead us to seeing like Maul? Um, I, I, I don't want Maul in this one. I, I feel like Maul has been used enough at this point. <laughs> We've everyone, seen everyone could use story. a little more Maul. Come on now. I, I, I don't know, man. I've, I've, I think we've seen what we could get the best of Maul at this point. What about Ventress? Ventress is, well, Ventress she's, is, she's still on the board right now, right? Is she? Technically, I, I don't think she's dead yet. I could be wrong. Because hmm. I don't, th- we don't see her death in Clone Wars. I think she dies in one of the books. In like the comics, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure, and they could rewrite that if they want to. So I could be hey. wrong, though. I'm sure someone will fucking, you know, drop us a DM or, you know, add us. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go on uh, Wikipedia and look that uh, up. But I don't believe we see her die in Clone Wars. Maybe Omega's one of the Night Sisters, a clone of one of them. I, I don't want that. <laughs> to clone adventures pass. <laughs> no thank you <laughs> we have to put in at least one clone speculation per episode uh, right? Uh, right right <laughs> sure no but i did think that was interesting i feel like that's going to play out in some mm-hmm. you know shape or form so so who do you think the jedi is that sid was an informant for hmm that's a good question uh because it, it can't be obi-wan or anakin at this point because i feel like we would have seen her before Oh, it could have been. I mean, it could have happened off screen. True. Unless it's, you know, it's going to be somehow tie into Obi-Wan, his series out of nowhere. Maybe. I mean, it definitely felt like a character that we're going to see more of, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, I'm wondering if we find out some more information. She definitely has some, like, interesting stuff around her, like, little bar. There's a lot of, like, clone trooper shit, like, laying Mm -hmm. around. There was even, like, a Mandalorian helmet, Hmm. like, hanging out. So... Um, so we'll see. We'll see how connected she is or, you know, if she's even a darker character than we're kind of led to believe here. I mean, I could even see her popping up in the Mandalorian later on. Like if that's, you know, if that's just like kind of like, hey, here's our here's our nod towards the other shows. Like She's uh, voiced by uh, Rhea Perlman. Oh, OK. You know, Danny DeVito's, I believe, ex-wife at this point. <laughs> I, I, I don't follow his love life. <laughs> you don't call her from fucking Cheers, man. Uh, OK. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I know. I know her. <laughs> but anyway, like overall, I mean, I guess it was fine. <laughs> the episode, but it just, I don't know. I was expecting a little more. I guess. I mean, if, if they're going to put in a lull, I mean, we're like, what, one third through the season at this point. I feel like this is the time if they're going to have an episode like this. No, I agree. I think it's just because we had two episodes where like not tons happened back to back. 
that it feels even worse. But, you know, and like I said last week, if we were binging this, mm-hmm. we wouldn't even notice this episode. It wouldn't be a big deal at all. Well, I can't imagine what fan reaction for this episode was because last week they were tearing it apart. I can't imagine what they thought this week with it being even slower. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I try mm. not to go on the boards, honestly. Uh-huh. So <laughs> At this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fucking toxic. But anyway, that's All a right. conversation for another day. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I did just spend a couple minutes like, you know, ripping on Rise of Skywalker. So I, I guess I'm not any, any better. <laughs> but it was to make a point. It doesn't mean I hate Star Wars. Sure, sure. <laughs> I believe this stuff, Christian. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just that passionate. I'm not going to fucking attack people on Twitter <laughs> uh-huh. for their I, opinions. I mean, you've definitely funded a few films with how many black series Star Wars figures you've got there. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> they should be sending me tickets at this point. Uh-huh. <laughs> Today's podcast is presented by Pago. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerd sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Well, now it's time for Christian's Corner. All right, this week in gaming, we actually got stories from both PlayStation and Xbox. Starting off with PlayStation, we had some news about the next God of War game and Horizon. Recently, PlayStation Studios head Herman Hulist um, and Santa Monica Studios announced the delay of God of War Ragnarok into 2022. It was stated by Hulist that not only God of War, but Horizon Forbidden West struggle for time due to its reliance on performance capture. After all, these are massive single-player story games, so obviously they need a little bit more time to work on performance capture with their actors and while things are starting to look like they're you know reopening and stuff like that you know the entertainment industry is still trying to catch up after everything that happened last year Hullis also stated that their hopes for horizon will be you know to stay on track and really release this holiday season Um, but they're also not all that certain that it will make that time frame just yet but with God of War, I don't think anyone should be really all that shocked with its delay to 2022. I mean, we haven't really gotten many announcements about it. Um, you know, we had the trailer drop last year. It was literally just the logo. And so, I mean, I have no problem with Santa Monica taking their time. At the end of the day, I don't think there's anything to fear with first party titles when it comes to this. Like I mentioned last week, you know, when we looked at the gameplay of both Far Cry 6 and Horizon Forbidden West, you know, there was a very clear difference in quality just because, you know, you have Ubisoft that's going to be, you know, pushing out Far Cry 6 and has to worry about all it working on all the different consoles so they can't do as much detail. And that's me, you know, just making kind of large assumptions here but they can't do as much detail in their game whereas you know horizon being strictly for playstation now you know they know the software they can you know they don't have to worry about it not working on anything else they can really hone in and make it look as 
best as they possibly can. And that's something that we saw with the last God of War game, you know, the, the soft reboot that they did. You know, uh, it came out looking beautiful and it gets that advantage of being a first party title only coming out on the PlayStation. I also have a lot of trust for Santa Monica. I think that they are worth trusting so far. Um, you know, they haven't, you know, given me anything to really worry about. The last God of War game was fantastic. And I do imagine that, you know, again, being a first party title and Santa Monica Studios having a very good track record of games, it's going to come out looking the best it can. And I don't think the players should have anything really to worry about at this moment. Now, if we hear some stories later on that, you know, they're having some real problems in the background, you know, I will report on it and I'll let you guys know. But until then, you know, don't 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 stress too much. Um, my guess for release uh, window was probably going to be maybe late uh, 2022, like late summer or early fall. That's where I'm imagining the game will come out. Over on the Xbox side of things, uh, one of the biggest questions asked after Microsoft purchased ZeniMax and Bethesda was were Bethesda games going to become exclusive to Xbox? And it's starting to seem like that might actually be the case. Starfield, which is going to be Bethesda's next big space game and actually going to have his first gameplay um, shown off at E3 this year, was reported by Jeff Grubb um, that Starfield will be exclusive to Xbox and PC, period. Uh, this is a big move in general for Xbox and Microsoft as it gives us kind of an idea of the future of Bethesda titles. I mean, you know, keeping them exclusive will bring a lot of attention to Xbox and probably just, you know, just makes sense. Kind of like what we all kind of pictured Xbox doing in the first place. Though luckily you can still play most Xbox games on PC, so I'm not too stressed about it, but I do know that, you know, people that were looking forward to playing the next Elder Scrolls on their PS5 uh, will definitely be very disappointed by this. I mean, this is a development that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on because I do enjoy, you know, being able to mod and play Bethesda games on PC without very many restrictions. You know, I could totally see, especially with the way things are going and how things had gone in the past with, um, you know, Bethesda trying to make, you know, paid services for modding. Um, you know, I could totally see Xbox trying to get into that market where they want to monitor what kind of mods are going into these games. And I, I would worry about, you know, the next Fallout and the next, um, you know, Elder Scrolls game being kind of, you know, microtransaction like that. Uh, that's just something that I have a weird prediction and feeling for. And at the end of the day, it's just speculation, but you know, that's very possible. I just would hate to see um, them put any type of restrictions on PC titles like that. But only time will tell, you know. Um, speaking of space exploration, we continued on with our playthrough of Mass Effect The Legendary Edition. Um, and we also continued our journey in The Witcher 3. We're very close to the finish of the game. Uh, and also, uh, we launched two new series going on our Twitch for this summer. Now on Thursdays, we're playing Ghost of Tsushima for the second time. I'm playing it on lethal mode and I'm playing it in black and white. Um, very cool, very like samurai movie aesthetic. Definitely check it out. We're definitely digging all the samurai action um, and it's lethal mode. So I'm getting my ass kicked and it's a fun time <laughs> um, on Fridays. However, uh, I'm kind of putting on this kind of wrestling show that we're doing on in WWE 2K19 um, as kind of like a test of the waters for what I want to do with WWE 2K22. Um, it's just something I want to try out. If you guys don't like it, if it doesn't get enough views, um, of course, I can always you know scrap it for now and we'll work on it again later. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely interested in trying to make our own show. Eventually, I will get maybe uh, Damon involved and we'll do some, you know, some roster picking and stuff like that. It's it's something small, 
right now, but maybe it'll become something much bigger next year. So definitely keep an eye on our Friday show, uh, especially since on Fridays I definitely have to do shorter streams because I have to edit this podcast and I want to make sure that you guys are able to get something that's still entertaining even in the short time span of streams that I have on Friday. So definitely check out on Friday um, next week as well as I will be doing the first matches of our new show um on there so definitely check it out um on our twitch make sure that you're following us there uh, if you're interested in you know helping support the channel's growth you can always subscribe as well to our channel on twitch and if you'd like to do so for free all you have to do is be a amazon prime member um, if you have amazon prime which most people do nowadays you can subscribe to me for free so definitely use your amazon prime subscription on my channel and you will help support its growth and of course you can catch us live every thursday through sunday at 12 noon central time all right now on to wrestling. He popped back up. He popped back up. Sting back up. The adrenaline must be overwhelming to him. And Scorpio Sky feels something. Soon he will see something that he doesn't want to face. And Sting launching Scorpio Sky. And now the icon. Oh my God! And the crowd goes wild. Like many of us, we thought we'd never see anything like that again. All right, Christian, this past weekend, in front of an almost full house, we had AEW's Double or Nothing. And what a crazy, like, crowd that was in general. I mean, that was... That, their energy alone made it feel like it was a completely sold out event. Yes, yes. And I think it was close to being sold out. It was mm-hmm. almost like 5,000, I believe. I believe that's the limit of dailies, but I'm not sure. But yeah, no, it was amazing. The crowd was just electric. I mean, from the pre-show on, they just showed you like how much like having a live crowd during a wrestling show really matters. No, exactly. I mean, you could have seen them put on like a, a typical chin lock and they would have popped like it was the best thing in the world. So, and I mean, honestly, even before the pandemic, like AEW crowds were always fantastic. Mm. So it shouldn't be any big surprise that they would be just like foaming at the mouth to finally get to see like, you know, some live wrestling again. Um, exactly. I felt like they're louder than the WrestleMania crowd. No, it definitely felt a little bit more ruckus there. But I think, <laughs> I think too, like the WrestleMania crowd was still further back uh-huh. they weren't like right on top of the ring so i'm sure that made a big difference so but no a, a amazing night really well starting off that night um we had a pre-show match between serena deeb and rio with serena deeb winning by submission so i actually caught this match on accident not that i didn't want to watch the match <laughs> but they posted i believe on their facebook page so um this was an amazing match um, a fantastic pre-show match that really like made me miss Rio, and I'm glad now uh, she reportedly is back, so we'll be seeing a lot more of her. Uh, oh, Dee okay. took on the role of the heel here, um, just you know for the dynamic of the match because she has been uh-huh. working as a heel, I believe, on AEW at all. Uh, but she's so good, man. Like both of them just elevate the women's division so much i'm glad that rio like i said is back and hopefully we'll get to see her you know in the title picture sooner than later no yeah it's, i definitely need to go back and watch this match it was one of those ones i just forgot happened yeah no right i always i'm like i mean if you listen to the show you know we always miss the pre-show match, uh-huh. so. <laughs> um, but yeah no like i said I, rio's gonna bring a new dynamic i think to the division like having mm. her back because she's been gone for so long like she popped up for a little bit and then disappeared um i would love to see more serena though 
also. I know she's like under contract with NWA, but the more you can get her on the screen, the better. I mean, let's just buy NWA already, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan would probably have a problem (laughs) with that. (laughs) Yes, he would. (laughs) Smashing Pumpkins. All right. They're still a thing. They're still touring. Are they? Yeah. No, they're still a thing. I thought they were done, done. No, no. (laughs) No. Well, we're getting to the actual card. We had Adam Page defeating Brian Cage in a singles match. Great match. Perfect way to open up the night. Um, How over is Adam Page? Extremely. Like, it's amazing just the crowd reaction he gets every time. Every move. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The crowd was super hot for this match. Uh Well-worked match. Um, I like that they actually furthered the uh, Brian Cage storyline because it felt like it was dropped. Um, you know, we had almost interference. Cage refused it. It ended up costing him the match. Um, but no, these guys both told a great story in the ring and everything. Cage getting caught, being cocky, trying to pull off the uh, buckshot lariat. And then, you know, Adam Page showing him how to do it. So um, it feels like they're going to move on from this feud now. You're going to get uh, Cage versus Team Taz now. Is Ricky Stark still injured, by the yes. way? I... Okay. Yes, and he will be for a while. So gotcha. I think he has like... A, f- a fractured na- neck, I believe mm-hmm. they said. So it's pretty serious. He's going to be on camera um, as much as he can. I know he's been doing commentary over on Dark. So, but yeah, no, it it's he's going to be out for a while. All right, unfortunately. Well, uh, up next we had the Young Bucks versus Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Still not confirmed as the Wild Thing, so I still don't have a shirt. Yeah, right. But we're working on it. I thought they're going to confirm it tonight. Honestly, exactly. Like that was the perfect time. Come out with the shirt, then everyone would have bought it the next day. You know, <laughs> the Bucks are so good as heels, man. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Even the entrance where like they do the slow motion walk, and it just seems so douchey. They're s- <laughs> they're stupid beards, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dumb fucking earrings. I mean, oh, God, they're amazing. I love them as heels. Uh I mean, I want to keep them as heels for as long as possible. So um, and they work so well as heels, though, because Mm. everything they do is to make them show ass at the end of the day. Like Uh everything they're doing, like showing things. Did you notice that they started doing a bunch of like WWE spots in the middle of the match? So. In the buildup, I think the the Road 2 show, whatever the hell they call those things, um, like the little half-hour special they do Mm -hmm. before a pay-per-view, they kind of, like, made reference to Moxley being from that other place. And then, like, Nick was like, oh, don't say that. He's going to be pissed. Um, So then during this match, and it could just be me seeing things and reading to things, they started doing, like, the Mega Powers routine. Like, they were doing Macho Man and Hogan at one point, and then they hmm. even, like, like were taunting him with the whole, like, shield fist bet. So, like, they're, like, intertwining, like, deep cuts, like, throughout, like, their matches now. Um, just masterfully done. Like, fantastic. Like, like just those little things for, like, hardcore fans that, like, I don't think a lot of people, like, picked up on. Because they were doing the whole, like, they were doing Macho Man mannerisms. They were doing Hogan spots. Like, there were, and they, they've done this in the past. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, paying homage, if you will, to, like, former tag teams and everything. So, I loved it. Um, but yeah, no, it was a really well worked match. Um, I love the fucking clash of styles. 
Um, you know, I, I like that Moxley ended up taking the pin here. Uh, how over is Eddie Kingston? Super. Uh, That's what's I love- great about having the crowd now yes. is you're actually seeing like who's fucking over and it's uh-huh. like everyone that they've been pushing you know it's amazing well, exactly it's good to know that like if eddie kingston were to go up against you know kenny omega at, like any day like it, they would still get that positive pop that they yes. want from it yes yes no he's over big time so mm-hmm. um no but i i i really enjoyed the match um you know i think moxley's probably going to be ridden off for a little bit here that's probably why, you know, he took the pin the way he did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We know Renee is about to give birth any day now. So I'm sure this is kind of their out for a little bit. Um, we'll see if Kingston ends up getting, because there was a rumor for a while, like he was going to end up getting a match against Omega. Um, but, you know, maybe he finds a different partner, or, you know, continues his feud with the Young Bucks. No, exactly. I loved, even though, like... Um it's a tag team match. They still made like Moxley look, and even though Moxley took the pin, he still looked like an incredible monster yes. throughout this entire match. Yes, like he was just able to take everything the Bucks you know threw at him, and I thought that really made it because as a former champion, you don't want him to look no weak, you know exactly weak at all. So I thought that they handled it very well. I was very impressed no, by this match. He took their finisher like four times, and they yeah. had to give it to him <laughs> four times to make sure that he'd stay down. So uh-huh. I mean, there was a story around it. So it made sense. Well, uh, up next, we had the Casino Battle Royale, uh, which featured Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Dustin Rhodes, Max Caster, Isaiah Cassidy, Matt Hardy, um, Preston Ten Vance, Nick Camarado, Serpico, Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, Colt Cabana, Anthony Bowens, uh, Penta L Zero, Mark Quinn, Aaron Solo, um, Evil Uno, Lee Johnson, and our Joker of the night, Leo Rush. So I hate these matches usually. I thought this mm-hmm. was one of the better ones, though. Um, and it was... A, how long was this match, Christian? Uh, this one was only 23 minutes. And I don't know if the other matches have been longer, but this one kind of flew by. So um, I don't know. Uh, I love the story that they told at the end of the match. Um, with mm-hmm. Christian kind of like passing the torch onto Jungle Boy. And that's not only because I predicted that Jungle Boy would win last uh-huh. week, <laughs> which is just a fantastic prediction on my part because no one saw that coming. Uh, but yeah, no, not to pat myself on the back. But yeah, no, I did predict sure, that Christian. Sure, man. So. Sure. <laughs> but anyway, yes. So, but yeah, no. Uh, I thought this was re- well worked. I There's some camera work issues here. Definitely. They mm-hmm. missed some people getting eliminated. Uh, the announcers oh, yeah. seem to be confused <laughs> at points. Uh, so I, I don't know. They, it's it's those production things that are getting in the way, you know, especially of a match like this. It's just so much of a clusterfuck, I feel like, at times, mm-hmm. um, especially with like five people entering at once. But like, once again, Max Caster, how over is that guy? Like when he came out, he got a huge fucking pop. I was like, what? You know, and oh, I, I like the guy and I, I think uh-huh. he's entertaining, but I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, I liked, you know, them teasing the history between Christian and Matt Hardy. But once again, the camera was too far away. So I felt like we kind of lost the full effect of that moment. Um, but yeah, no, overall, I thought it was OK. Um, I think this match finally put the nail in the coffin for me when it comes to Matt Hardy's whole group. 
at this point. Uh, I think I, I'm done with that character, that version of Matt Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the reason why I think he stopped doing, you know, the broken character was because there was no crowd to really get it over in AEW. Mm. Now that there's a crowd back, I'm wondering if, like, slowly but surely he'll revert back to, like, broken Matt Hardy. Um, because it, the character, it, it just... I know something about it didn't work without an audience, you mm-hmm. know, chanting along with him and everything. So I just feel so awful for him that he like really missed out on that like debut moment in front of a crowd. Cause how fucking um, like fantastic that would have been like for him to actually have a live audience there, yeah, you know? Um, but you know, it is what it is, I guess. Right. So um, I feel like, I, I could see a feud between him and Christian happening eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I'm loving Christian's storyline right now, though. That he, like, oh, he's this like you know seasoned vet and everything like that, and he's trying to hang with these young guys. Um, we'll see where this leads. He's supposed to be teaming up with Jungle Boy next week. So, okay, so because in two weeks, that's when Jungle Boy will be facing off for the title. Yes, yes, and I definitely don't see Jungle Boy winning. But I think, you know, Omega's going to get him over in losing. No, that I mean, exactly. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. Um, before I forget, you did bring up the, the, you know, the camera issues, which I think it was more than just like them missing people on the live broadcast. But even they miss people in the replays because like I they didn't show me like a lot of people getting eliminated, oh, yeah. even when there was replay moments. And I was like. If I blinked and someone got eliminated, I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Because even the announcers, as you said, were like, wait, did did, did they just leave? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of confusion there. So uh, um, not a good look overall. Uh, but and maybe because it's, I don't know, the lesser of evils when it comes to like all these weird gimmick matches that they try to get over, you know, mm-hmm. on pay-per-view. I, what was the last one? The face of the face of the revolution yeah. ladder match. I guess, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I understand, like, they're trying to get everyone on the Mm pay-per-view, you know, but sometimes it's okay. Like, it's okay if not everyone, you know, can be involved. So it it is what it is. Um, I think the difference is, is there's only four pay-per-views per year. So that's why they really try to push that, where... You know, with WWE, they've got like what, like 13, 14 at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, no. It, it, hopefully, they eventually figure something out or just do a straight fucking battle royal. I mean, honestly, like everyone loves a battle royal. It's okay. Like, you don't need it's to fine. put your stamp on it. Uh-huh. Like, it's going to be fine. I don't fine. need five guys at once yes, coming out like, and having weird names for everything. Uh, and yeah, they're going by I, the suits, right? Yeah. No, yeah, no one understood what that was going on. Yeah, when your announcers are confused, come on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and when you have to have someone like read the instructions for the match, like beforehand, uh-huh. no, it's not worth it. So, well, before we uh, oh. head on to the next match, what did you think of Leo Rush? I was about to bring that up. Uh, I couldn't uh-huh. believe how over he was. Like the uh-huh. crowd gave him a huge reaction. Uh, apparently, he's under contract with New Japan. Um, okay. So I don't think he's going to be around for a long time. Uh, especially with Mark Henry there now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I would definitely keep those two apart. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I was excited to see him, you know, and I, I liked the reaction he got. Um, but the way he was eliminated made me feel like, okay, they don't have long-term plans for him. Mm-hmm. 
Because, yeah, he didn't even get any eliminations in this. But he did. I mean, what he showed off in the ring was awesome. And he did get a great reaction. So, I, I mean, he's incredibly him. talented. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've heard rumors that he's got an attitude problem. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, cause I don't think fucking new Japan would deal with that shit. So, uh-huh. um, we'll see. I, I wish him the best though. Up next, we had Cody Rhodes defeating Anthony Agogo in a singles match. So this is when kind of, I don't know, the energy of the crowd kind of dipped here. Um, just because I felt like, I don't know, people just aren't into this angle. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> was Cody supposed to look like Homelander? coming out i don't know but i did i digged it i liked that uh, outfit i know but like is he supposed to be like was that tongue-in-cheek i don't he was think supposed I don't to be the american dream and then he came he comes out looking like homelander <laughs> <laughs> i don't think he meant it to look like homelander i don't know it did. it did look a lot like homelander's shoulder pads and yes everything. yes um. i was like what is he trying to say here <laughs> That was pretty meta, but that might be like the comic book nerd in me, you know, coming uh-huh. out. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, this match went on too long. I was, you know, for only having three or four matches, I was impressed with the go go though, you know, because I, I mean, to hang with Cody Rhodes for 11 minutes, and maybe I should be more impressed with Cody, but I thought he looked okay for, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of experience he has. I mean, he's still really fucking green, and he shouldn't have been put in this position from the get go. Um, if he looked any more seasoned, though, I would have been disappointed with him losing here. Like his big, like first big moment in the spotlight, and he, you know, takes a pin. Um, yeah. But the fact that he's still green and he's got to like build on like his experience level and everything like that, I was fine with the outcome of the match. Um, a lot of gaga here, um, but it went a little too long, also, like 11 minutes. Like I felt like this could have been a good six minutes and it would have been fine. You know, but I mean, they wanted a go-go to look strong. I just felt like they almost lost the crowd here. Honestly, like I would have flipped this. I would have had this been the second match probably and put like the mm. Bucks and, you know, uh, Moxley and uh, Eddie Kingston on here. Um, just kind of mm-hmm. keep the flow and everything. I know that's a very WWE way of looking at <laughs> like booking a card, but I do feel like after this match, they kind of lost like momentum for a little bit. So, um but yeah, no, I mean, the crowd and the crowd was still great, regardless, you know, they just didn't have the same energy that they did. And that might have started at, you know, the gimmick battle royal that might have also, you know, hurt, too. So but I really noticed it here in this match. I mean, usually I can say with a match that has a story that's lacking or that people are interested in, at least usually at AEW, the match is going to be really great. But I don't feel like I'm going to remember this no. like in a, a week or two. I don't know. I don't think this was special at all. No. But I mean, yeah. And it was a stupid storyline. No one bought uh-huh. into the storyline. <laughs> I know Cody wants to be the American dream and everything. It was special to him and everything. Fine. It was a good promo. <laughs> it was a good promo. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just want them to make better use of Cody, whether they have to, you know, do it with him kicking and screaming because mm. this this just isn't working for me. You know, him feuding with the what what are they called even the Nightmare Factory or or that's his um, group? No, no. But there's some type of factory, right? Because I, I thought the other one was a Nightmare Family. I don't fucking I, know. Whatever. The fact they're just the factory. <laughs> they're just the factory. Yes. Okay. I don't care about this. Like a feud with QT Marshall. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean. 
no offense, but I just I don't care about this at all. So. He's getting better, but it's I he's not in a place where no. I want like a big feud with Cody. Rose. No, it's like, no. Cody's one of your top baby faces. Uh-huh. You've got to utilize him better here. So um, but it, it is it is a fucking like stacked locker room. So mm-hmm. there's not like much wiggle room for where he could be on the card right now. Um, but like get, trying to get these guys over, they're just not ready yet. Well, maybe a feud with Miro would be good for Cody Rhodes. Maybe that that could be fun. And because he is the American dream. Uh-huh. Right? That would be fun. And Miro can go back to his evil, you know, foreign guy thing from <laughs> the, the WWE. Yeah. You know? So because God, you know, forbid you be from a different country and not be evil. <laughs> That's wrestling. <laughs> Even in 2021. Race to bastards. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Miro defeated Lance Archer uh, to hold on to his AEW TNT championship. Uh, he won by technical submission. This was another match which just, I know for me, was kind of there. I mean, I enjoyed watching these two big guys beat the shit out of each other. But I just hated the fact that Archer had to take the loss here. Mm-hmm. But at least he was on the card because they haven't just been they just haven't been doing much with him. You know, um, hopefully with the addition of Rampage, you know, they'll be able to, you know, better utilize their roster. So because I don't know. I don't know. I thought this was just too soon for this match. They could have built more to this. You know, Miro just won the belt. You know, have him go up against someone else, you know, someone that isn't going to get too hurt by losing here. Um, so, I mean, and maybe even continue this feud. So, but I just don't see Miro like losing the belt anytime soon. No, not when he just got it. I still have a problem, and, and you're going to hear me talk about this in the next match, but uh, I still have a problem with submission finishes with a lot of matches, especially when it's like, I don't know. Maybe I I do appreciate that it was one of those like um, he passed out and that's why. But it, it felt like it was too quick. Like they called it too fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have rather just had Miro for get a pass a clean out. Pin. For a pass yeah. out, I agree. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, like with the world accustomed to mixed martial arts and everything like that, there's no shame in being submitted. So I don't have a problem with that. I know I we've been I... indoctrinated by the WWE to like believe you're a weaker man for giving up. But if you're getting choked out, you're going to fucking tap. So and we've seen, you know, like trained fucking killers tap out. You know, so I'm OK with it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, uh, up next, we had Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defeats Sheeta for the AEW Women's World Championship. Ending that year-long reign. Yes. When they handed, like, Sheeta the new title, I was like, oh, my God, they made Brit a new title. You know, like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Sheeta's been carrying this other thing around for a year. And they're like, oh, Brit's about to win the belt. Here, let's make it look better. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I was happy for Sheeta because the crowd was still into her and everything. Mm-hmm. I was terrified that she was going to get booed. Brit, once again probably top five stars in aew right now at least no exactly incredibly over um it's gonna be hard to keep her heel for long um Mm -hmm. i was happy though that sheeta was still getting cheered there was still like the crowd rooting for sheeta like i was i was terrified that they're gonna boo her or something like that because she doesn't deserve that because she really has been carrying the division for the last year so um but yeah no uh I don't know. I, 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 there was some point in this match 
where it kind of went off the rails for a little bit. And I felt like the match kind of lost momentum. Um, they were able to like pull it back together at the end, like the last like five minutes or so. But it just felt like all of a sudden they weren't like clicking anymore. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if someone got injured or something, but it just kind of felt like they weren't, I don't know, meshing well together. Um, no, I agree. But then, you know, and the crowd, you know, didn't, I, I felt like the crowd recognized it too. Um, Cause they kind of, I know their energy dipped. And then all of a sudden at the end, they were able to like regain, you know, their focus and everything like that. Once they realized Britt was going to win, I think the crowd got into it again, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> so, uh, cause it would have been just a huge mistake to have Sheeta go over here. So, but when the crowd went, when, when Britt won, I mean, the crowd just went nuts. So um, she's going to be in for a big rain. Um, I, I still can't overlook that rebel spot, though, where the ref is just looking at her hit Sheeta in the face. Oh, I didn't, even, I didn't even catch it. Oh, they're, the ref and everyone is just looking straight at rebel and she takes the crutch and hits uh, Sheeta straight. Does in the she face. actually hit her? She connects. Yeah, connects everything. I'm, I don't and know how I missed no, that. No disqualification or anything. And there was like a slight like boo, but they kind of immediately moved into another move. Huh. So it, it they kind of worked out of it really fast. <laughs> yeah, she's, I don't know, man. Rebel just, it shouldn't be this hard. Like, she should be getting better uh-huh. at least, right? <laughs> Sometimes I feel like she's playing clumsy on purpose, at least, it, uh-huh. you know, in her matches, like when she does wrestle. But like this outside stuff, she's got to get better at because um, it does kind of drag down matches when you do see that. Mm-hmm. And you could hear Jr. like grumbling as well. Really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, Don't um, piss off yeah, like I, a Jr. man. <laughs> well, he was he, he started getting all uppity about the rules at, at, in some point in this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I remember he was started freaking out about refs. Nah. Uh, <laughs> per usual. Um, but yeah, I. I thought that this was a good match. Um, I enjoy. I I really am a big fan of Britt Baker at this point and Sheeta. Um, I just wanted to see. I thought Sheeta should have passed out if she was going to do a submission. I I'm, I am that guy. Dude, I didn't want to see her tap. <laughs> there's no shame in tapping. I I don't know, man. You can't. It, <laughs> I, not I, everyone so can be fucking Stone Cold WrestleMania 13, Christian. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yes, they can. There's no shame in tapping. <laughs> Everyone can be bleeding and just pass out. Like, I'm the lifelong, you know, WWE fan who's been, like, brainwashed by them, uh-huh. you know, over the years. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> come on, man. Like, nowadays, that's fine. It's fine. I- I'm still going to need you a little bit more convincing. Oh, God. I- I've seen all the new tapped signs Do and not watch UFC years. at all? Like- no, I don't. I don't watch <laughs> UFC. I don't care for UFC. <laughs> It's part of the sport. It's okay. 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 Fine. Um, the, the last thing I wanted to mention was there. Uh, they should have hung on um, Sheeta a little bit longer. I know that there's probably maybe a time crunch or whatever, but like um, you know, you had this sad moment where she's just kind of laying down, and then there's a hard cut to a commercial, and it was yeah. like very just like it wasn't enough time for the audience or people to really just like get a moment with yeah, her loss. Like uh, I would after a year, I would have liked to see her get like a little recognition at the end of the match uh-huh. after Britt kind of walks down the ramp and goes to the back. Let her like mm-hmm. kind of stand up the ring. Let her get her flowers, you know, get her applause and everything. Get, exactly. You know, just recognize, like, you know, she carried that belt for a fucking year. So I agree 100%. All 
All right, up next we have Darby Allin and Sting defeating Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky in a tag team match. Fucking Stinger, man. Like, yeah, he can go yeah, apparently. Yeah. Still. Like it's 1997. <laughs> what the hell? Jumping off the chips. Oh, I was surprised. He was terrifying me. <laughs> I was like, don't die, Sting. I don't want to see that on pay-per-view. Um, I was in love with the finish, by the way. I, I loved Scorpio Sky going for the move off the ropes and then getting caught. Uh-huh. I just thought it, it went so smooth, especially for working with Sting mm-hmm. at this point in his career. I was just like, oh, my God, hey, man. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, first of all, Scorpio Sky is a huge Sting fan. So this was a uh-huh. huge, I'm sure, honor for him you know, to take, you know, the pin from Scorpio. But no, that was a really nice sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, that's also a testament to Sky. Uh, but no, Sting, he carried his own, man. I mean, and the crowd was into him and everything. I was so excited for him. I mean, for him to be able to, like, even if this is his last match, for him to go out on this note instead of, you yes. know, the shit that he had to deal with in WWE. I mean, it's just amazing because I was really skeptical of this match. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you would have told me, you know, before this match started that, you know, Paige and Sky were going to end up losing, I would have been disappointed. But you know what? There's no shame in losing. To like this version of staying and the fact no. this was such a big moment for him and everything like that. I loved it. Uh, where does Darby Allen go from here, though? I storyline. I think you'll probably get a one on one match between him and Ethan Page. I, mm. I, I have a feeling that's where we're headed. Um, I'm sure this isn't necessarily over. Um, I do think, you know, maybe like he gets jumped again and that like sets something else up um, between like the two, you know, teams. Um, I could see Sting getting taken out of the picture or something like that eventually. I mean, he's been pretty much on every episode of Dynamite yeah. since he's like joined the company, which is amazing for, you know, someone in their like close to their mid 60s. Um, I didn't expect that at all, but apparently he's all in, no pun intended. Um, so, <laughs> but no, um, I feel like we need to see kind of. I don't know, a one-on-one match between like Darby and Ethan Page or Darby and Scorpio Sky. But it feels like, I don't know, Page, I think, is the one who actually threw him down the stairs and it seems like Darby and his promos are is more focused on Page right now. Okay. And I think Page is like the newer guy. So it'd be mm. nice to see him kind of get like the rub, you know, from a feud with Darby. But Darby is super over also. Like the crowd was yes. fucking nuts for him. So, um, yeah, I think eventually he will go back to Miro, though. Um, and they'll build that up maybe like at uh, all all out, right? I want to say all in, yeah, all, right? out. all yeah. out, all out. So I, I think maybe that's where they had, you know, for all out, you know, uh, you know, a title match, you know, for the uh, TNT title. So we'll see though. Well, up next, we had the three-way match between Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac for the AEW World Championship with Kenny Omega, of course, holding on to his title. And it was beautiful to see him come out with every single yes, title. Yes. What a fucking awesome visual, right? Yes. That's the way he should be carrying all the belts. I love that. Um, I thought this was a really good match. These mm. guys worked so well together. I was a little disappointed they were doing like WWE, like, you know, three-way uh, rules for this match with like the no DQ and everything like that. Cause I knew right away what was going to end up happening. And it did, um, you know, just a lot of fucking, you know, unneeded Gaga at the end of the match. But mm-hmm. for what it was, I thought this was a great match. Um, 
I'm hoping that this leads to like one-on-one matches, you know, with Kenny and Orange or Kenny and Pac. Um, I'm sure that's probably where we're headed. I was glad they didn't do like the typical like, you know, WWE like finish where like one of the guys like steals the pin like someone hits their uh, finisher then the guy jumps to the ring throws them out and steals it because that happens like every fucking three-way you know right now so um you know on the other channel at least so <laughs> i was i was really scared when like cassidy almost won the match you know the crowd fucking popped big time but that was pretty much what mm. was about to happen um but yeah, no, this was a great match. I enjoyed the shit out of it. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but I mean, this this was great. I just didn't need, you know, Don Callis, you know, at the end of the match coming out and, you know, hitting fucking, you know, everyone with every single belt that he I liked it. I like that so, spot. I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, yeah, bring out the next one. Bring out the next I one. Will, bring out the next one. I will say, like, if you're going to have these rules, like, I'm not opposed to the heel cheating because I feel like, okay, a heel, especially with a faction or a manager, should uh-huh. try to bend the rules here and cheat. I just wish they didn't have that style of match. Like, I wish they would have done, like, an elimination match or something like that instead. I, I feel like you can do three ways and have it elimination style. Like, it's been done in the past. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see a three-way Iron Man match between these three. I think that would be great to see, like, how many pins oh, they can get off each other. that'd be chaotic. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a three-way, like, Iron Man match. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I think that was just only, like, a video game option at one point. <laughs> I, I think that'd be fun. I don't know. Uh-huh. I think you should write Tony Khan. <laughs> because, I mean, what Pax keeps, like, stating, you know, he has victories over both of them, uh-huh. and, you know, and... He's you know has a pretty legitimate claim to that title, but yeah, um, yeah and he I, I'd be interested to he see. He technically didn't lose this match. No, he didn't lose it yeah. either. So we'll see. <laughs> they all came out looking super strong. Yes, this, yes. Like they really handled each character well. No. Um, I loved all the f- even like the fun moments with um, Orange Cassidy didn't seem like too much. You know, they did a great job of you know getting into the psychology of Orange Cassidy. Like him mm-hmm. trying to get underneath the other wrestler's skin. I think sometimes that doesn't really get over as well in his other yeah. matches. But here you could see him like kind of like playing it up even more so, you know, and then like turning it on last second on them. So I, I thought that was really well done. And then, like you said, Pack is just amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pack is just unbelievable. I just wish they focused more on him for the buildup of this match because he kind of felt like very thrown in last minute. No, yeah, he did feel like a secondary character to the storyline. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's just like he gets lost in Death Triangle or what. Mm-hmm. It's just like he just seems like, hey, we need a, a legitimate threat, but we don't like, you know, we don't want to like, it's like he's just this like person we can go to every once in a while yeah. rather than being a like main star in the um, storyline ever. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think, you know, down the road, maybe he'll be, you know, a crazy champion, but. I don't see it coming anytime soon. So um, the trio's title is supposed to be coming uh, sooner than later. Oh, nice. So that should help, I think, you know, part of the problem that AEW has right now with so mm. many different people on the roster and not a lot to do with them. With the trio belts, you know, and I don't know if they're going to call it that. I think they'll kind of like, you know, because you could do a tournament. You could have multiple feuds going on. You have, They have so many factions. It feels like they've really like set things up for that belt you know eventually Mm -hmm. arriving so 
um, you know, especially with like Death Triangle, that they just feel like the perfect fit for that. Like you could see a prolonged feud between them and um, the best friends. So and I, I or Inner Circle. Yeah, that's true, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, but yeah. And speaking of Inner Circle. Oh, yeah. We had the stadium stampede match as the final match, which I actually thought um, the triple threat was going to be um, our main event. But we had the stadium stampede match with Inner Circle defeating the Pinnacle. Yeah. um, When they started this match, because I almost forgot about it somehow, Uh I was kind (laughs) of disappointed because I was like, we're going to leave this awesome fucking live crowd and go to some fucking pre-taped, you know, shenanigans, which like I enjoyed the first stadium stampede but i mean it was kind of a product of its time because you know we're in the middle of a pandemic there was no live crowd and everything like that it is what mm-hmm. it is i was like man you're gonna miss the energy and everything like that so i was really happy with like how they built this match and everything um because i was like is the crowd gonna respond to this like now that you know basically the live portion of the you know uh, the night is over like are they gonna turn on this match because of it and they didn't they stayed with it the entire time but Mm -hmm. the fact that they decided to finish it you know in front of the crowd was perfect which was my prediction very good christian bravo (laughs) (laughs) but anyway um yeah i enjoyed that they worked it on over there i do i definitely think that this one wasn't as good as the first one just because it felt like they had to set up the spots and took them a little bit longer to get each section going yeah and but they did i mean there was a little less like brawling between like both teams at the same time you know because it started Mm -hmm. off that way with the first one where both teams were on the field and everything i think they even charged each other and we got to see them kind of kicking the shab each other for you know a good like you know couple minutes before they kind of all split up into like their different pairings um where this one pretty much like you know right away they all separated um I didn't really need to see fucking inner circle rappelling down the scoreboard. No. I thought that was kind of, I was like, what, what's the point of this? And if I'm, it took too long. Yes, too. And if I'm pinnacle, <laughs> I'm grabbing baseball bats and like waiting for them and beating on them like fucking pinatas. Right. Like I was thinking about what if they just cut the cord? Yeah. Like, well, that's, <laughs> well, that's horror, cut the horrifying. <laughs> but I wasn't like, I, but I mean, that would have been terrifying to also see like Sean Spears, like up there on the scoreboard with a fucking, knife or uh-huh. something like that <laughs> but i was really expect like i was like if they're hanging there and because it took them so long uh-huh. like who's to say like you know spears is gonna show up with a fucking chair and just start wailing on them like a pinata mm-hmm. like i said that's i mean i don't know i mean it just seemed ill-advised you know <laughs> i know it's uh-huh. all about the you know the the spectacle of it all but i don't know it was kind of goofy i was actually surprised at the amount of like you know comedy that they did do in this match i didn't think it was too much did you some of it was a little hokey. I mean, the 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 whole when um he goes into the the coach's locker room and or the office and Jericho's uh-huh. like throwing footballs at MGF and shit. I was like, okay, come on. I felt like it at least fit the two of them, you know. I don't know, man. That's the type of shit I don't they know. Do this is they just had a fucking blood and guts like match. Uh-huh. So I was expecting something a little more brutal, you know. I well, did like that shot though. And I'm, I'm totally jumping all over the place. But I did like that shot of Sean Spears in the room full of fucking chairs. Oh, yeah. yeah chairs. <laughs> I thought that was really nicely done. I was like, if you're going to uh, go cinematic, you might as well do this. I was expecting more something like we got between Warlow and fucking uh, Jake Hager. 
you know, where they're just like brawling, well, between all, you know, mm-hmm. that's because that definitely felt more intense yes, than everything else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but overall, like, I, I thought this was fine. I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed the club scene between the two, between uh, the two tag teams. See, that was the hokiest one for uh, me because I'm like, why are they attacking the poor I'm a people in there? For like... fucking Conan. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that there's just this whole random nightclub in the middle of the stadium, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> on a Sunday off season. Um, but uh-huh. yeah, no, I forgave it once I saw Conan. I was like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> I thought it was nicely done. So um, I don't know what the hell Tully was dressed for. That was just ridiculous. No. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, why are you dressed uh-huh, too, man? <laughs> right. Crazy old man. Um, I did like the ending. I liked that Sammy got to use the cart um, that was used on him last stadium stampede on Spears. Uh-huh. I thought that was really nicely done. Um, and I liked that it got to end in the ring in front of the live crowd. I just wish uh, both teams were out there also. No, I to agree. get the reactions, to just mm-hmm. have it feel more of like a team effort and everything. Um, it's making me feel like they're really going to start to like push Sammy here, though. The fact that he was the one who got the big win and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably to like, you know, also get redemption for being the person who gave up the match at Blood of Guts. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, we'll see what that leads to. I'm interested. But Sammy, but, I mean, once again... Holy shit. I mean, another young fucking like homegrown talent, you know, that's, you know, really over and Sammy Guevara. I mean, AEW has done a great job of fucking building baby faces, you know, even during a pandemic. And they should be applauded for that. No, I, I definitely think if this year isn't big enough for them, next year is going to be massive. Uh-huh. For all of AEW. Yes. I, I just think that this shows just how over a lot of their characters are. And they just play their cards right with all their storylines and really just push these guys all to the moon. Mm-hmm. Especially with two shows. I mean, this sky's the uh, fucking limit for them exactly. right now. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, where do you think this feud is going to go from here? Um, it's like you said before, I... Maybe this one should have came before the blood yeah. and guts match because I feel like I would have, as you said, I, I I missed that moment where they got all, where they should have been all in the ring fighting at least one more yes. time because I thought that's what they were building to at that point in the match as well. It's like okay, now Sammy's here, we're gonna get yes. you know more of each one like of them showing up in the ring, the crowd or something like that, so yeah. they could all react to Sammy winning, you know, instead of them just like slowly coming out at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, from here, I'm guessing they're probably going to want to push Sammy versus MGF a little bit. Oh, really? Is what I would imagine. You don't think I, so I'm guessing that Sean Spears mm-hmm. is going to be in hot water for taking the loss here with a pinnacle. Oh, okay. And I think it's going to set up like, okay, you have to beat Guevara on your own. You know, we need to see you get redemption now. Like, it's, it's Spears' turn. Like, you have to earn your way into this group since you've taken mm-hmm. the pinfall. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. I think you're still going to have Jericho versus MJF because I just I feel like you're going to have both captains of the team like feuding. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see some I, I could see some single matches happening now, like, you know, have one every week, you know, an inner circle match, you know, an inner circle versus, you know, pinnacle match every week. Like, you know, both tag teams facing each other, you know, one week Spears and Guevara facing each other. And the next week you could do, you know, and maybe make it into like kind of like a little tournament or something like that. Or like, you know, who can, what team can get the most pinfalls or something like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Cause I feel like they're booking shit backwards. So 
I felt like blood and guts <laughs> is where you would end. I don't. I I'm trying uh, to put together a, a match that you know they could go out on, but I I don't know what that is honestly. I no yeah. I don't see another t- match type th- at this point. That tops like blood and guts. It's going to be hard, right? No. <laughs> so, um, but I, I mean, mm. we'll see. We'll see. They'll come up with something yes, crazy, I'm yes. sure. <laughs> well, definitely better them than us, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Damon, it's time. What star rating would you give Double or Nothing? So I'm going to give this four and a half stars. And I think just having that live audience back just elevates, you know, this whole show. Um, to mm-hmm. um, a, at least a four and a half star, you know, rating. Uh, I just, I don't know. They just made everything feel so electric. I mean, was it the perfect pay-per-view? No. But, I mean, it was a damn entertaining one. I mean, I think the main thing that's holding it back for me was just how predictable a lot of these storylines were going to be for this pay-per-view. Like, there was nothing that really took me super by surprise. Mm-hmm. Like, I think most of these matches are exactly how we called it yeah. on the previous episode. So, I mean, th- that's, that's I think, the biggest factor for me. But at this point, I- I'm still, I had a great time yeah. with the pay-per-view. I thought almost every single match was fucking amazing mm. so i'm gonna I, again i'm gonna give it a 4.5 okay. but i think um it would be a five if there was just something a little bit more to it if there's a little bit more you know excitement and surprise involved or at least where you could like i don't know make a case for you know some of these outcomes being different because i agree i mean yes it definitely felt pretty predictable but at the same time i mean jesus christ i mean it's all about the work in the ring and this just made me more excited for you know them going back on tour you know and seeing those yes. live dynamites in front of a fucking live audience and hey that next big pay-per-view is right here in That's chicago right so on a much sour note uh wwe mm-hmm. uh went on another firing spree this week uh and we lost some surprising names braun Strowman has to be top of the list since he was just in a main event match on a pay-per-view uh-huh. for the fucking uh, the raw <laughs> title right uh, yes. But we also lost Aleister Black, Ruby Riot, Lana, um, Buddy Murphy, and Santana Garrett, who was apparently on the main roster, and I didn't even realize. So <laughs> she showed up on a, like a, a a rumble or something like that, I believe. So, but she was supposed oh, okay. to be called up, but I I thought she was still on NXT, so I had no clue. But um, yeah, I mean Braun Strowman definitely, like I said, huge surprise. Aleister Black. They've been, like, doing fucking vignettes for him for, like, the past month or so. Like, really, like, building him up. Then he actually, like, showed up in the main event of SmackDown two weeks ago and cost Big E an IC title match. And then uh, over a week later, they fire him. (laughs) So it had to, like, I don't know, come out of nowhere. Like, this decision must have been last minute. Because there's no way that they would have given him that amount of, like, TV time if they knew they were going to let him go. Mm -hmm. So, um... There's a lot of speculation going on of what exactly this means. A lot of people feel like they're clearing overhead to like make their bottom line look better for a potential sell. Um, I don't know, man. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, I, you know, we've heard in the past that the WWE is always on the market and McMahon is always willing to listen. Um, he's not getting any younger right now. Um, even uh-huh. when they struck the deal with Peacock, there was a lot of rumors that they could possibly eventually like sell to NBC Universal. Because if you're NBC Universal, why pay all this money for you know the network when you could just buy the company outright 
you know, and have complete control, you know, of the sh- of the show. Um, you know, we've seen other leagues like UFC, you know, do it in the past. So, I mean, it's not completely off the table, but at the same token, you do have them going back on the road uh, in the next like month or so. So I mm-hmm. could see them trying to clear up even more room just so like the bottom line still looks good. And because they're going to start taking a loss once they hit the road. Um, because those live events beforehand, at least, weren't doing that well. And one of the reasons why they're like, you know, doing so well, and this is actually the most successful the company has ever been financially in the history of the company. <laughs> Yet they're still firing everyone. But one uh-huh. of the reasons why is because they're not doing the live shows right now, you know, so they saved a lot of money. So I don't know if it was like a panic move and like we need to cut down on some of this overhead. So we still look as profitable as, you know, we have been doing to investors. They have a new president, Nick Khan, um, who seems to be trying to get all their ducks in the row or at least, you know, clean up shop. Um, he was cutting a bunch of people uh, behind the scenes. I know you, I think the quote was like, you know, due to like redundancy issues in different departments, they did have like two different, like, I guess, like entities working on social media at the same time. I mean, what's the point of this? Why can't we make this just one department? So um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised either way, honestly. So uh, Strowman had a giant contract, I guess. Um, he's making well over a million a year. Uh, he just signed the contract, I believe, in 2019. So, and that seems to be kind of a trend with, like, you know, a few of these, like, firings where it seems to be people who, like, just signed big deals. We know this happened with, like, Gallows and Anderson also. Mm-hmm. So, it might be a move to, like, renegotiate, you know, some of these contracts. So, I, I only time will tell. But it sounds like there might be more firings on the way also. So, I... <laughs> start times in the wwe right now and it's gotta be frustrating if you're a talent if you're hearing that they're like the most like successful financially they've ever been Uh (laughs) yet they're cutting half the fucking locker room because the women's tag division is like nothing right now there's literally like three teams left um do you think when they started giving because there was a lot of negotiations back when AEW started popping up on the scene and stuff like that and people pushing for more money do you think like they're just trying to just clean up all of those contracts that they did I think at this so. point? I definitely think that's part of it um, because they did like double some people's money in some cases. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, And now that they see that, you know, it is what it is, they're not going to be able to stop AEW's progress. And AEW at this point, their roster is so full. Like how many people could they potentially uh-huh. even sign? Um, I feel like they've realized that, you know, at least WWE's realized that they just need to focus on themselves right now. Um, so, like I said, it's just restructuring, it seems like. Um, but we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if they do sell it eventually. Um, I don't know. I can't imagine McMahon not in the wrestling business. Um, I don't know mm-hmm. if he tries to stay on as, like, a, you know, GM or, you know, like, you know, the booker. <laughs> At the same time, I don't see him, like, coexisting with, like, you know, a boss, like someone above him, like uh-huh. having to answer <laughs> to someone that just, I don't know, Vince, Vince would just walk away at that point, I think. I mean, all I know is that New Japan Strong and Impact are about to look a whole lot more impressive. With That's all these right. Releases. That's right. Um, 
Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, AEW is going to pick up a couple of them at least. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it'd be a shame for anyone to pass on Ruby Riot. I feel like she yes. makes your women division that much better the day you sign her. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I could see her going to like Impact. I could see her going to AEW, but there should just, there should definitely be a bidding war for her because she's been so underutilized. I think everyone recognizes that. But the same with Aleister Black. So I don't know if you've seen interviews with him though, but like he's totally like defending like the company, which people oh, are kind of okay. weirded out by. But um, <laughs> I don't know. There were a lot of rumors saying that Zelina was supposed to be going back to WWE. So people are wondering mm. if that's why he's trying to like, you know, I don't know, walk that like company line here. Yeah. <laughs> he started to blame like dirt sheets and everything and said that McMahon always really wanted to push him, but for some reason couldn't, which makes no fucking sense whatsoever. <laughs> bullshit i was like either you're completely <laughs> fucking brainwashed or you're trying to like tow the line for your wife so my guess is like towing the line for his wife you know mm-hmm. but he's gonna he's gonna thrive wherever he goes regardless no exactly i just feel like if anyone has something bad to yes, say about they WWE, kept him fucking locked up in a dark room for a year <laughs> You know, like, <sighs> God damn. You remember how frustrating that was? <laughs> yes. They called them up and put him in a dark room for a fucking year, Christian. <laughs> uh, Yelling about who's going to yes, knock on come my fight door. Me or whatever. It's like, oh, you my go God. find someone to fight. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing in this broom closet, Alistair? <laughs> Just insane. So, yeah, no. Um, they're probably all better off in the long run, honestly. Um, I can't see Braun anywhere else. Um, not yeah. saying that no one will pick him up. I, I definitely feel like, you know, someone's going to pick him up. It feels like, honestly, I could see New Japan, you know, chomping on the bit for him. Mm. He feels like right up their alley. They, they love like big gaijin talent, like beating the shot of people. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where he lands. But he might also be bored with wrestling, too, and might just walk away. I could see him, like, going back into, like, tough man competitions or, like, trying to, like, you know, get into Hollywood or something like that. I I don't think he's got the chops. For Hollywood? <laughs> oh, you gotta do, for Hollywood? For, to be, like, thug number one? Okay, well, that's fine. He I could talk. see him, you know, being beat up by John Wick. Bro, I could talk, but, Christian. Come on, man. He's not a bad promo. Right. You want to get these hands. Come on. No. <laughs> He's that awful. He he could work. I could see him working. There's been lesser guys out there. Kurgan is getting roles all the fucking time. So if Kurgan could get roles, Braun can get roles. I'm sure Braun will be fine at whatever he does next, just as long as he doesn't say anything stupid in the next few months like he normally oh, does. Oh, you mean so. on like social media? Oh, no, he's going to yeah. say something stupid. I guarantee that. <laughs> yeah, especially without like, you know, corporate WWE like breathing down his like neck. Yeah, he's mm. the, the leash is off, my friend. <laughs> We're all going to get these hands verbally. <laughs> oh, God. I can see him like joining like the Flat Earth Society or something stupid like that. Right. <laughs> joining? You uh-huh. mean leading? <laughs> Tinfoil hat and all. So, but yeah, no, no, that whole fucking McMahon feud will all make sense now. <laughs> like, see, he really is stupid. 
All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. thank God but it's all over. <laughs> I guess only time will tell if WWE is really, you know, for sale. Um, like I said, I just I have a hard time not seeing Vince dying like in the middle of the ring or like at Corona uh, position, like in the middle exactly. of WrestleMania or something like that. I just can't imagine him walking away, but maybe it's time. I don't know. Well, that does it for this week. That's right. And as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this week's episode, make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more. That's right. You can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing Nerd Show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Well, all right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Well, next week, Christian, we'll be reviewing The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, and we'll be breaking down the first episode of Disney Plus's Loki. Hell yeah, I'm ready for more MCU, are you? Always, Christian, always. Exactly. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Were you bitten? Did any of the blood get in your mouth? Mark? Mark?